shorter still yet. But uh, anyway, so if you've got your Bibles, I'll actually be in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 10. Now, uh, I don't know, if, does everybody have the book or what was that? No? Okay. I'm just, just curious. Um, the book that, uh, the textbook that they're using and is, is about leadership. And as Jeffrey mentioned, uh, leading is not necessarily about leading people. And it's not about the fame. It's not about the uh, fortune. There's very little fortune in it. It's not about the position. Believe me, as someone who has a small, and I mean a teeny tiny small uh, position of leadership in my company, um, well, I, I've recently been offered a greater one and I turned it down. And when my boss is like, why not? I think you'd be great for that. I'm like, I, you know, maybe I would, but I don't want the responsibility and the headache and the stress that comes with it. Right. Right. Um, but regardless of saying that, each and every one of us lead, and whether we realize it or not, we have influence. And influence is the first definition, the first step of leadership. What is it? Uh, what is leadership? It's leading people to become better or to do better or to be better. How can I do that? Well, step one, you do that by your influence. And what a lot of people don't realize is you can lead from the bottom. You can lead up from the chain of command. I, I see this at, at my job, and I don't use this because of me. I, I use this because it's a good example. I'm bivocational, um, as Brother Jeff and Jeffrey and, and, and is, and so they could probably speak to this as well. But I can see when we get a group of young guys or we just get some good workers in, and their, their heart is in it. Their mind is in it. They're at work. They're in it to be there. They're not complaining. They're not looking for reasons to complain. Because you'll find things to complain about anywhere. But they're, they're, they're ignoring that. They're trying to take care of the customer. They're trying to learn. They're trying to improve themselves, their skill set. They're, they're trying to do all these things. That attitude is contagious. And what you'll find is the older uh, people who's kind of got set in their ways, and, uh, and I don't mean age-wise, but I mean people who's been doing that or more experienced or has seniority, and you know they're setting away, it'll start influencing them, even though those young guys, they're not in no position and so these things are leadership. We're leaders in the fact that we're husbands, we're grandparents, we're, we're fathers, we're brothers, we're, we're sons. Whatever your position is, we lead because by definition of existing, we have people around us that our lives are going to affect. Yes. And so right. one of the things that I've done over the past two years that's really uh, helped uh, change my life and my mentality is I, I, I found uh, some books by a guy actually through work. My, my boss man does this leadership thing and um, sometimes I give him a hard time because he doesn't follow like half of the things that, that these books teach. But uh, And through that book I was introduced to a podcast and then introduced to a guy and he's a former Navy SEAL and, and just all these things and, and I've been accused of putting too much weight in what he has to say and, and what I've told people who's done that to me I'm like the reason I like this guy is he takes biblical principles and applies them to life the Bible is applicable to life this yeah. is all by way of introduction I promise I'm, I'm, I'm getting into the content here uh, but what I mean is oftentimes we'll read the Bible and that's great for Sunday morning that's great for Sunday night that's great for Wednesday or whenever church is it's great for church time it's great for any spiritual activities but we don't translate that to our everyday life we don't translate that to when we're disagreeing with our wife and we're right by golly and we're going to be right by golly rather than humble yourselves therefore uh, to God. Husbands dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Amen. I know what my wife's triggers are. I know how to not set her off. I know how to walk through something and still be right. I might not get the gratification and the satisfaction I want. But you know, when we get in an argument, 
I go and tighten up all the pickle jars and the jelly jars and everything else. And then she has to talk to me and I ultimately win the argument. I mean, it's petty, but I win. Um, I'm kidding. But uh, I thought about it. <laughs> I'm not talking about marriage. I don't even know if I'm qualified. But my point is, biblical principles and the things that the Bible teaches and tells us applies to life. If we don't take this map book and we don't extract these principles and we don't apply them to our lives, what good is it? Right. It, it, yes, it can lead us to salvation. And I don't mean to say that that's not good enough. But what I mean to say is, is that as far as you want to go with your walk with the Lord? Is, is that as far as you want to go? Or do you want to step into what God gives us as the illustration of the victorious Christian life? Does not mean it'll be trial or error free. Does not mean that we still won't make mistakes. Of course we will. We're still sinners redeemed by the uh, blood of God. But do you want to step into that deeper uh, walk with Christ? Well, then take this Bible and apply it to your lives. So look in 2 Samuel with me for just a few moments, if you would, in chapter 24, verse number 10. Bible said, and David's heart smote him after that he had numbered the people. And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say unto David, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came unto David uh, and told him and said unto him, Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in thy land? Or wilt thou flee three months before thine enemies while they pursue thee? Or that there be three days pestilence in the land? Now advise and see uh, what answer I shall return to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. And let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning even to the time appointed. And there died of the people from Dan even to Beersheba 70,000 men. Right. Now, this is somewhat of a sad passage, I understand, but I chose this because uh, as I read through this book, I, again, I believe all leadership, I believe all principles of life are, uh, I better start uh, check my watch, otherwise I'll preach way, or, or teach or whatever this is way too long. Um, but, um, uh, and, and it's Saturday morning, I thank you for being here and being faithful, and so I don't want to waste too much of your time. But uh, I, I wanted to choose, I, I believe all leadership principles come from the Bible. I believe all successful leaders are applying biblical principles, whether they know that or not. Right. So I thought, who in the Bible was a good leader that demonstrated both things to do and things not to do? And I believe our, uh, David is a good candidate for that, and, and probably many others, but he's one I've chosen. One of the things that I like about David, he had something that a lot, and I mean a lot of men, I didn't say pastors, I didn't say husband, I, I said men, we lack, and that is accountability. David has prophets in his life. We see here the prophet Gad. We've seen the prophet Nathan. We know that David had his mighty men. We know of men like Joab and Josiah that were in his army that was advising him. He surrounded himself with good men. You see, he talks about it in this leadership book, but he, he gets to a place, and I'm going to walk through some, some things that I pointed out in his chapter that really jumped out for me here in a moment. But one of the things that, uh, that he talks about 
is building up a network of accountability. This is why we have elders. You see, if a pastor gets up and preaches, and if a pastor does his devotions, and he invests in the lives of his people, and there's some sense of confidentiality that comes with that, and maybe he can't share everything, but that burdens down and weighs down the pastor or the people in the church who are doing these things, who are trying to invest their lives into other people's lives and are trying to develop them, that weighs on a man. And it's just not exclusive to the pastor. Maybe they bear it out more because so much more of that is on them. But every single one of us go through things in life. Every single one of us has trials. Every single one of us have things that, that, that weighs down our minds. And it's heavy and it's weighty. And sometimes it's hard to continue on. And sometimes it's hard to uh, keep caring. Uh, you ever, if you're anything like me, I believe Monday I spent my entire day and a whole lot of sweat tears and a little bit of blood on a job and, and I get it done at three o'clock and I fire it up and I found out that there was something else going on that made the main thing break and it was just heart dropping. Matter of fact, a, a colleague called me and, uh, just to chit chat and he's like, hey, how's your day going? And I was talking to him. He's like, you sound exhausted. I said, I am tired, but that's not exhaustion. You hear my voice. He said, what is it? I said, it's defeat. <laughs> and, and I explained to him, I'm like, you know, it's that satisfying feeling of, hey, I completed the job. I accomplished my mission. I accomplished my purpose, but I, something went wrong. I didn't. We all have things that bother us down. Right. That is why it is important to, that is why the Bible tells us iron sharpeneth iron. We surround ourselves with people that are smarter than us, faster than us, stronger than us, better than us, more spiritual than us if possible. Look, I'll be honest with you. If I am the height of what's in my life, how am I ever going to, to, to go beyond that? That's why I read. That's why I listen to podcasts. That's why I try to surround myself and build a network of people that are much smarter than I am so I can learn from them. A good leader recognizes that. A good leader understands, hey, I have weaknesses. There are places that I am lacking. And I don't care if you're in the church. I don't care if you're a husband. I don't care what you are. I don't care what your leadership role is. We have weaknesses. We have strongholds. We have battles. We have things that we lack in our lives. And it is important that we surround ourselves with people that are strong where I am weak. At, 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 at my particular job, um, I am not always best about looking around about what's around me before I start doing work. And so uh, sometimes I'll do things and, and, and I'll have a colleague over my back saying, hey, did you move that right there because you're going to cut that or you're going to burn that or you're going to do this or whatever. And try, but why? Because sometimes I'm, I'm uh, task driven. When I know I've got something to do, as I'm approaching the job, my mind doesn't shut down. So I'm outlining step one is this, step two is this, step three is this, step four is this, step five is this. And when I get there, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to be safe and I'm trying to be aware, but sometimes I miss things because I get tunnel vision. Yeah, right. We'll do the same thing in our spiritual life. Yes. My goal is this. This is my goal. That chapter one is on achievement. And, and achievement is important. Achievement is essential. Our Christian life is based upon the achievement of Jesus Christ. Had he not came and accomplished the work that he accomplished by uh, leaving the portals of heaven to be made like his man. And then to live a perfect and a sinless life. And then to uh, lay his life down upon a cross. And then to overcome death, hell, and the grave. And then to ascend into the Father.
Father and then to impute the righteousness that He had to our account and to do all of the things and then to care enough about us to want to justify and sanctify us. It's amazing. We have what we have and we are who we are and the opportunities are what they are and we have eternal life because of the achievements of Christ. But see, I can go through that outline and I can go through that list and I can accomplish task one, task two, task three, task four, task five. But if I miss something in that step, if, if I mess something up in that step, there's going to be a problem somewhere along the way. I'm really bad at when I put things together, the same thing. I get in a hurry because I'm trying to get the job done. The other day I was putting a pulley on and some shafts and some bearings and all sorts of things. I get it all together. Man, it's taking me like way, way longer than it should have taken me to tear this thing down. I get it all on and I am like so happy I've got it done. I'm telling you, this is just how my week's been, all right? And I look at my parts box and there sets the drive belt. You know what you got to do to get the drive belt back on? You gotta take the hub back apart, you gotta take the pulley back off, you gotta take the seal it because there's a bracket here and a bracket there. And so I've got to undo all the work that I just spent 45 minutes doing because I got ahead of myself. You see, I achieved my purpose, I got it put together, but I missed this step. We'll tunnel vision, and in our spiritual life, we'll we'll try to fast track to get from point A to point Z, and we'll miss a whole bunch of things in between. Quality over quantity 100% of the time. But leaders, uh, we are to be detailed. We are to not miss anything. Achievement is a great thing. But achievement can also be a, 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 our enemy if we allow it. There was a leader. Uh, they, they interviewed some top entrepreneurs that became CEOs. And uh, uh, on the interviews, one of the questions they, uh, that they asked is, what did, when you look at employees or when you're, you're trying to hire people in, what is it that you're looking for? And they say, my favorite question of all time to ask somebody is, what is your greatest strength? Because oftentimes their greatest strength is their greatest weaknesses. Explain that. Okay. If you get, like me, tunnel visioned, you sometimes miss the details. You sometimes miss the bigger picture. You get somebody that's really detail-oriented, and they waste so much time that they miss actually accomplishing the job. These are great things in their own right, and these are things that we need to acknowledge and see so that we don't make these mistakes, but that's also why we build a team up. And that's why pastors, that's why husbands, that's why the Bible tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You see, David had the counsel of wise men. Uh, David had people around him that were smarter, sharper uh, than he was. David, in his own right, I mean, he's, uh, the Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. This is who he is. And yet he still fell into this trap. Why is that? Well, I believe a lot of it has to do with this. And as a uh, modern-day historian in our time has coined this phrase, absolute power corrupts absolutely most of the time. And see, we know that. We can look at the presidency. We can look at senators and we can shout term limits because we can see where the power has taken them and how it's corrupted them and, and, and all of these things. And, and I don't care what you believe. That's any government, okay? Right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not doing political politics. I'm, facts. Facts are governments get power. Governments, it goes to their head if you don't do something to regulate that. Right. Right. And so with that being in mind, 
oftentimes we think, oh, yeah, that person better be careful because they're head of a big company or they're in charge of a big church. And I'm not trying to blur the lines between corporate and church, and I'm going to touch on that here in just a moment. But what I'm getting at is, is if we're not careful, we'll, we'll look at that and we'll say, hey, that person needs to be careful because they've got a big ministry. They've got a lot of people. That person is head of a big business. They're getting too big for the britches is what we'll say. And what we don't realize is the reason domestic abuse is up in America, in the South, in conservatism, in churches, the reason domestic abuse is up and violence is up. Look, I don't just look at our church views. I look at criminal records. I went, and, and I, you probably shouldn't do this, okay? But when you get arrested, that's public yeah. uh, records in case you didn't know. You can expunge it and all that, but it's expensive. Most people don't. For kicks and giggles, um, I, I've got a, a, a colleague of mine who does a lot of volunteer work for the county, and he was telling me a story, and I knew the person, and I couldn't believe it. Like, you're crazy. There's no way. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I walked in the situation. Here's the details, yada, yada, yada. And so that got me curious. And so I looked on our website, and I looked, I looked up domestic and child abuse, and you would not believe how many people that I know of in that county are claimed to be Bible-believing, KJV, uh, Christian, I mean, God-fearing men and women, and how many people are on those lists for domestic abuse calls, domestic violence calls, child abuse investigations, things of that nature. Why is that? Because even if it's just being having power over a woman or having power over your children, if we're not careful, we'll let that go to our heads and we'll be a mini-God yes, in our own minds. He, he talks about this in the last chapter of the book, but I want to look at a few things. As I said, an achievement is an important thing. Achievement does not happen without a plan. I said when I go to a job, I detail out things. I task out things. Why? Because I, I have a job to do in order to get this job done. This is what I want, what I need to do. We do the same thing in churches, right? We come into our church, we lay out an order of service, and we lay out, hey, this is my five-year plan. And hey, this is, we budget. This is what we're getting in every month. This is what our operating costs are. This is this, this is that, and this is the other. But where the difference between church and corporate America comes in is corporate Corporate America relies on man's ability. That's why they pull stats. That's why they run advertising. That's why they run marketing. That's why they perform analysis. That's why they go through all analysis. Anyway, that's why they go through all of these things. And in the church, while these things are tools and while we can use them, ultimately it is the work of God that changes lives. It is the work of God that transforms lives. It is that achievement that accomplishes purposes. But we've got to have an ambition. Uh, you don't tell other people about Christ. You don't make social media posts. You don't uh, read books and read the Bible and, and get deeper in your walk with Christ and further along by just happenstance. Oh, no, it takes time. But where once we were ambitious for what we wanted, we are now, if you're saved, if you're a child of God, you should be ambitious to do the will of God and the things that He has in our life. And He has a purpose for everyone. And I believe that with all of my heart, and I could preach that, but I'm not going to spend. I'm not going to spend the time to go through it. But that is, we uh, should achieve things, and we should be about achievement because it was Christ's achievement that gives us what we have and the opportunities that we have. But see, achievement can be a, can become a problem. The author here in the book says achievement becomes dangerous when it dominates the leadership community. And what he's talking about here is the fact that when you start looking at numbers or when you start looking at things based off of a checklist, 
You see, the Christian life can become a checklist. Yes, I read my Bible today. Yes, I prayed three times today or whatever. Yes, I, I was a good husband today. Yes, I, 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 you know, I helped my wife do this. Yes, I, you know, I, 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 I did whatever your list looks like. You can go down through that and check those things off. And that, that's, those are good things. And sometimes, sometimes there are days when that's what I do because I'm just not feeling. But, there, but that should not be who we are. And it's wrong for me to even do like that on a daily basis because it's about a walk with Christ. Right, yes. I used to tell people when I was with youth, I used to tell teenagers, and I actually had a mad parent or two because I, their parents were like, oh, you need to read this many and you need to read the Bible. I'm like, I don't care how much you read. I said, I, I, I can find very little, very few passages in the Bible that tells me to read my Bible. Don't get mad at me. Let me finish that statement. I can find a lot of passages that tell me to meditate. I can find a lot of passages that tell me to study. I can find a lot of passages that tell me to keep these things in my heart. You see, I can read all day long, but if I do not understand, and if I do not retain, and if I do not apply, and if I do not practice, it is useless. It's useless. It's pointless. Why would I do that? There are skills that I have learned. This year, I've really tried to learn how to weld, and I'm getting pretty stinking good at it, if I do say so myself. And um, I personally enjoy the TIG and the MIG process, but I found something out. If I'm not running that thing, because I haven't been doing it for years, right? This is like two years in. If I don't do it, when I pick that thing up, the first two or three welds that I make, no matter how good my skill is, is going to look like junk. Because I'm not doing it every day. I'm not getting seat time. I, I know. Watch your torch angle. Make sure you turn the gas on. Make sure you turn the gas on if you've ever welded. And, and you're doing so with a gas shield. You understand what happens when you don't. And I cannot tell you how many pieces of tungsten rod I've melted not opening the gas valve. Anyway, I digress. And, and so there's all, of these, there's, there's all of these things. But my point is we read the Bible, but are we understanding? Are we retaining? You see, achievement is a great thing, but if we get achievement driven and we miss the point of the matter, we lose. We lose the ability, its ability to change our lives because now we've, we've blocked it off. We've, we've boxed it off. Achievement becomes dangerous when it controls our definitions of leaders. When we start defining a person by their achievements. I didn't say their works. I didn't say their fruits. I said by their achievements. I absolutely hate filling out resumes. What college did you go to? Huh. None that I care to mention. How's that? But how good did I perform at my last job? Was I at work? Was I on time? Uh, how, what was my attitude like? Where are these questions at? You know, in the Christian life sometimes, and, and a lot of churches, and I'm not saying this one or even our type, but a lot of churches will ask, you know, how many times we've been married, you know, um, how much of the Bible do you know, this, that, and the other. And, and what they'll miss is, how's your walk with the Lord? How's the relationship with your wife? What does your internet browser history look like? Uh, what, 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 how's your relationship with other Christian brothers and sisters that are around you? Where are these questions at? You see, if we're not careful, we'll start defining leaders by the same way the world does. Because here's the problem, and, and I know a man right now uh, that his family is falling apart. At work, he is awesome. He's high up. He has built himself up. He is made a name for himself. I, I'm not in his industry, but, but I'm, I'm in an industry that sometimes works with his. And, and I've asked people, hey, do you know such and such? And they're like, oh yeah, man, great guy. Like, really? 
<laughs> because I know his family is falling apart. And while I know there's three sides to every story, I know two sides pretty well. And I know the abuse that's going on, verbal and physical. And I know the frustration and the not understanding a situation with a child. I, I know everything that's going on or a lot that's going on. But at work, he's a star employee. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a pastor. I know how easy it is before you open the door of that vehicle to put that mask on, walk into church, and man, everything's hunky-dory. There are times, my dad was a younger pastor when he would walk into church, and I know good and well him and my mom have been arguing from the moment we got up, they got up that morning to the moment they walked out the door, got in the, and then dad gets out, goes in the back office. This, anytime my dad comes straight out of the office right before services, you know something's not right because the, that's what he does. Any other time he comes up, he goes to his pew, and he fellowships with people. That's, that's what he does. I know how easy it is to put on the mask. And if we're not careful, we will uh, look at a person based on A, B, and C and not the way God develops leaders because we can easily divorce our church life from our home life, from our work life. You see, the reason that doesn't work is because God cares about our morals. God cares about our values. God cares about our ethics. God cares about you and He cares about your relationship with Him. That's how we define leaders in the church. Look at what God says in 1 Timothy 3, 2, uh, 3, chapter 3, verses 2 through 7. Um, I, I'm not going to turn there, but just abbreviating. Uh, that a man is above reproach, husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, managing his household well, not a recent convert, and well thought of by outsiders. That's how God judges a man. Now, like I said, I believe that these principles properly applied will make a man successful or a woman successful or a person successful outside of the church. Absolutely. But the difference is, see, you can step outside of the church and you can divorce who you are to what your job role is. You can understand how your job works. You can understand how that world works and you can fit that role. You can step into church and you can understand the game that you can turn church into a game and you can play the game and you can play it really, really well. But you're not leading. You're faking. Your family's going to know it. Your children are going to know it. Your wife is going to know it. People that are around you are going to know it. And you're going to lose respect, credibility, and influence. And then you're not going to be able... Uh, I've heard parents, I don't know what to do with my kid. You know, they're this, that, and the other. And you can blame their parenting and this, that, and the other. But I've talked to some of those kids. And while some of them are, you know, in a hard place and they, they've got a rebellious attitude... Some of them is, you know, mom and dad bring me to church three times a week and they say this, but the minute they get home, dad does this, mom does this, and that's the life that I've lived for the last 15, 16 years. And then the parents want to come to church and be like, oh, pray for my kid. And look, I think you should pray. That's not my point. But my point is they lost their influence, their integrity, and their ability to govern that child because of the way they lived their life. Leadership is about allowing God to change our lives and transform us to the tool that he wants us to be. Ultimately, God is the achiever. God is the one who achieves things in our life. He doesn't call you. He doesn't equip you. He doesn't place you or give you the roles that He has given you because you could do it, because you could perform it, because I could do it, but because He can do it through us, because He can transform our life, because He can change our life. This is something that David knew, understood, and then forgot sometimes. 
He knew God could change his life. He saw Goliath fall. He saw the bear drop because of what God did through him. He saw the kingdom of Israel prosper because of what God did through him. He knew when those women were saying, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. David never said, that's right, I did. Oh, no. He gave all the credit, all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory to God. Amen. True failure is always a character issue. Our lack of achievement is always our lack of character. It is rooted in laziness, pride, lack of discipline, self-excusing, failure to plan well, lack of joy in labor, and failure to persevere during hardship. Times are going to get hard. We've got to stay true to the faith. Not because we can, because we can't. That's why we rest in Christ. He said, notice this, joy in labor. You've got to take joy, not happiness, not pleasure, but joy, knowing that we're accomplishing the work, the kingdom of God, and we are following His purpose for our life. Achievement becomes dangerous when it silences honest leader communication. Leadership is one of my passions. You probably shouldn't have chosen me because I I intended to be 15 minutes, but I'm almost done. Because of what God has done for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ, our leadership communities have been freed to be the most honest communities on earth. We are free to confess weakness because Jesus is our strength. Too much of the world and too much of church leadership has built a culture we don't admit our faults. We don't admit our weaknesses. Right. We don't admit our failures. There are things on my job, there are things in my spiritual life I haven't figured out. Right. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Now, I can sit there and pretend I do and fake it till I make it, but what happens if I don't make it? Yeah, right. What damage am I going to do? Right. Right. Or I can pick up the phone and I can call somebody and I can say, hey man, I don't know how to do this. Hey man, I'm going through something and I don't know what the answer is. I know what scripture says. I know what this is, but I'm just struggling. I can't figure this thing out. I I know you've been through this before, or I know you to, I know that you've got a good walk with the Lord. What do you think I should do? There's safety in a multitude of counselors. But we've got to build a culture where we normalize, if I could use that term, we normalize asking for help. And I don't mean, I've got, it's bad that I had that teeny tiny supervisor role because I can look at what other guys do. And I, again, I use my job because it relates to this and, and that's why. And, and, and the thing is, I look at what some guys, and I'll see two texts. For the most part, our, our, our jobs is one man can do most everything. And I see like one or two guys that's always got two guys on the job. I'm like, what, 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 why do they need two people? And I dig into their description and I look at it and uh, it boils down to they're lazy. They didn't want to do it. So they called in somebody to help. And, and I'm like, you didn't need two people. For that. I've done that by myself in 30 minutes. Why did it take two guys two hours? It's not because I'm that good. I'm not the only guy that does it by myself in 30 minutes. That's the normal. Those guys are the abnormal because they're calling somebody for every little thing. Listen, there's sometimes you need to bog down. You need to get on your knees in prayer. You need to open up your scripture. You need to talk and you need to get through it. But when you've exhausted your resources or when there are things at stake, time sensitive, the damage might be too heavy. Call somebody. 
We've gotten in our minds that I can figure this thing out. I've got this. No, because Christ is our strength and because we cannot do things in and of ourselves, our culture should be that I can confess my weaknesses because Christ is my strength. So it's one of the things that, Dan, uh, that David did do. Maybe not here in this passage, but there's a chapter in the book of Samuel about David's mighty men. And one of those talks about the time when David was in the garrison, the hold of the Philistines, and he couldn't get it out. And one of his mighty men breaks through, goes to well, and brings David some water. Uh, why? Because David couldn't get out in this situation. God had not chosen to deliver him at that moment in this situation. And so God has surrounded David with men that care about him and that love about him that can go in and meet his needs and God will do the same for you if you allow him to uh, uh, surround you and, and, and but you know what he can do that but you can close your ears and not listen to him you can think you know better you can let your pride and your ego swell up and, and not ha- be humble and make those mistakes achievement becomes dangerous when it causes leaders to view disciples as consumers when I was in Bible college I had a, uh, a guy, and he was actually older in the ministry, and his entire life he'd been a paramedic. I, I love telling this story. He comes into work one day, or he comes into college one day, and he goes, I hate people. You're a paramedic, and you're in Bible college. What in the world are you talking about? So after class, we, we go to lunch, and I go to lunch with him, and he's like, let me explain he said, I, had, I just came back from a call this morning where a lady's in court. He said, she's passing out. She's got some medical condition and she just keeps passing out. He said, but every time she comes to, she starts slapping me, scratching me, and spitting at me. And then she passes back out and I got to catch her so she don't fall and bust her skull wide open. He said, I hate people. I'm like, I still don't like that statement, but okay, I can understand a little bit more. Now that I'm in the service industry, I resonate with that statement a lot more than I ever thought that I would. People are difficult. Sometimes I'm difficult. It's a whole lot easier to build a church than it is to change people's lives. Because we can do that. We can figure out a way to finance it. We can figure out a location. We can figure out how to call a contractor. and We can figure out all the logistics. We can can do that. We can't change lives. Only God can do that. We can only lead them and point them to Him. And so sometimes it's a lot harder to take the time and invest in people's lives that are around us. We cannot allow ourselves to be so intent on achieving great things for God that we develop negative attitudes towards the messy people of who God intended to be the objects of the ministry to which we have been called. The church's doors should not be closed to anyone. People's lives are messy. People's lives are broken. We, you, you understand we are a depraved people. You understand that we are totally depraved and apart from God, useless completely. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's why we have His righteousness to show, and that is applied to our lives. Uh, The writer of this book, uh, Paul Tripp, uh, gives an example where he was teaching, and one of the students says, Okay, professor, we know that we will have these projects in our church. Tell us what to do with them so we can get back to the work of ministry. In his view, these people were obstacles in the way of ministry rather than the focus of ministry. Ministry means sacrifice. Ministry means investing in people's lives. But after what God sacrificed for you and after what He has invested in your life, do you not think that it is worth it? Do you not think that these are the things that we should do? I'm as good as I am at my job because I've had two main people within my life that has invested in me. They have taken time to improve me, make me better, and make me smarter. And I was... 
a bit stubborn, but for the most part, I listen to them and learn from them. Church leadership is a people-building ministry. I dare say all leadership is. Because, see, I don't want to surround myself with people that's going to fail. I want to surround myself with people that I can build up. If you take credit as a leader instead of assigning credit to the one who sent you and the one who produces fruit of your labors, you will praise less, pray less, and plan more. Then you begin to access yourself as capable rather than needy. You see, when God chooses to uh, give success to our lives, if we are not careful, we will say, look what I did rather than look what God did. I believe at this point when David chose to number the people, he was looking at the accomplishments of the growth of Israel because of his leadership rather than because of how God had prospered him. Every human is constantly doing a self-diagnosis. We are always evaluating how we are doing. Achievement is dangerous when it becomes the principal lens of leader self-evaluation. If you're evaluating yourself by how many people you've won to Christ or how many people you've done this or that to... That's not how God does it. And that's not how we should do it. I'll tell you what I try to measure myself by is how much I line up with what I'm supposed to in this book. How, how many things has God changed in my attitude, in my perspective, in the way I believe about God and the Savior, in the way that I treat other people? How much of that has shifted over the past year, six months, three months, whatever? Not how many people have a wonder Christ. How has my life changed more to be more like His? Yes. If your leadership community, is your leadership community a thankful, humble, and needy praying community? And if it is or if it isn't, are you? Sadly, achievement can turn humble servant leaders into proud, controlling, and unapproachable many kings. You see, I believe David was on the brink of this. But there's a major difference between David and formerly King Saul. You see, morally speaking, King Saul was a better man. Don't look at me like that. Saul never committed adultery that we know of and then killed the man, the, the, the woman's husband. Saul never did that. Saul, Saul didn't do some of the things that David did. And so morally he's better. What's the difference? When Saul sinned and messed up, he would not submit himself or humble himself to God. He allowed his pride and his ego to swell up. When David sinned, took somebody to call to his attention, but he repents it. He humbled himself. His heart was humble. Yes. This is a man after God's own heart. This is a man that's built the king of Israel. I mean, this is the man that, 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 that is going to have the, uh, the seed of Christ down through his, through his lineage. I mean, uh, this, is a, this is who the Jews look at today as just one of their greatest leaders ever in their world. And yet that man got to the place where he just about, on the brink of messing up, if Gad would have come to him, or if the prophet of Nathan would have come to David, and David would have looked at him and said, nope, don't want to hear what you've got to say. Take his head off, I'm done. God would have been done with him. But every single time, David's heart was convicted, David's heart was smoked, and he humbled himself for God. Achievement is important, and achievement is necessary, but achievement must be balanced. If we don't balance it, we air too far to the left or too far to the right. And the important thing of leadership and the important thing that David's life teaches us and specifically to this passage is we've got to be careful. We've got to maintain that balance and we've got to consider the words of those that are around us. And so I hope this hasn't been boring or rambling and I hope you got something from it. Brother Jeff, you come on, sir. Or Jeff or whoever's coming. And uh, I'm going to sit down and be quiet now.